the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Happy New Year, everybody. Let's start off thinking positively. Hope smiles from the threshold of the year to come, whispering, it will be happier. For the last words belong to last year's language, and next year's words await another voice. I hope that in this year to come, you make mistakes, because if you are making mistakes, then you are closer to achieving your goal. Tomorrow is the first blank page of a 365-page book. Write a good one. And then finally, just because I'm a patriot, the duty of a patriot is to protect his country from its government. (laughs) Happy New Year, everybody. As I said, uh, always, we always recommend you to our webpage. So if you go to WHK's uh, uh, webpage, it's WHK 1420 AM, and go down to Smart Investors Show. It takes you directly to my webpage, and you can get all sorts of stuff there if you like it. Uh, you get our dividend growth portfolio or our prime income list, which I think these things, uh, they've been lagging the last couple of years. I, I believe they're just about to make a big, have a big year. Also, our top ADRs, that's an American depository receipt. Those are foreign stocks that are listed on the New York Stock Exchange, with us, so you don't have to worry about uh, currency. Our top ideas, small cap and multi-capitalization uh, type stocks. So you also want to get a hold of me. That's the way to get a hold of me. Um, you know, you hit contact me, email me. With, I'm, I'm, you know, it's hard to hit go out and have coffee right now, but we could certainly have a conversation on the phone. Uh, don't forget, when you're on my webpage, first of all, you know, we have Bob Dickey's technical analysis every day. We have a weekly newsletter under uh, the bulletin board and under insights, which is in the headings. There's all sorts of good stuff this week uh, about inflation and about the Fed and uh, women in investing. And uh, we also have the women's women in wealth. Uh, and and uh, planning work for the ladies out there. Uh, we also have the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. Interest rates are as low as they're going to get, folks. <laughs> They've never been lower, uh, especially the amount of money the Fed has pumped into the economy and how much Congress is just about to, uh, or I should say foreign economies. <laughs> anyway, uh, it'd be a good time to lock in a long-term rate, uh, my humble opinion. So we have the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. And then uh, for you business owners out there, we have the guide to transition, and uh, uh, I think that's a that's an excellent one, a transition planning, because uh, people, you know, uh, there's a lot of people questioning whether they want to be in business or getting older, you know, and want to. Uh, first of all, I, I'll tell you, private equity firms are trying to steal your business because <laughs> we've we've done a couple of these, and uh, um, we got you know you know we we know of people that will pay a higher price. Let's put it that way. Um, so sales of print political books through mid-September were up 85% from a year earlier. 
while political ebook sales in the first half of the year were up 20 percent. That's 20 percent higher than 2019. Uh, an American research company, NPD, said the political book category includes political science books, biographies, autobiographies, that type of thing. Over the past five years, worldwide incidents such as theft and counterfeiting of pharmaceuticals rose 70%, according to the Pharmaceutical Industry Guide. In 2013, the early stage venture funding for climate tech companies was about $418 million. In 2019, it was $16.1 billion. So, uh, that remember we've been talking about environmental, social, and governance uh, for some time now, and I, I I don't think it's going away anytime soon. So, uh, you know, if you think it is, uh, I think you're uh, dead wrong. Anyway, uh, so some people were asking me some questions this week. Uh, you know, the first question was, well, let me just go back. Everybody's thinking that next year's going to blow up. We're going to blow up. And I would suggest that uh, there are some risks for next year. Uh, what are the risks? A lot can go wrong. The future is always uncertain, right? You know, where the COVID-19 is starting to mutate. Uh, you know, election turmoil is, you know, still there. The vaccine doesn't work. Um, U.S. dollar crashes, which is fortunately a real possibility. Interest rate surge, which could be a big possibility. Um, we, we could have... Uh, an IPO bubble. I mean, some stuff that's going on out there is kind of crazy. Retail stock trading bubble. Boy, that could be a big thing. People are just buying stocks without knowing what the P ratio is or the growth rate or what they make. And uh, people are too bullish. Believe me, the last poll said that. Congress goes after big tech. Biden has health issues. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that could go on. All right. Uh, so I, I think. Um, Oh, we, we can't forget hackers, you know, the Russians. So I, I think, uh, look, 2020, um, <laughs> they should make a uh, disaster movie about it uh, because, you know, oh, my gosh, it, you know, stock market crash, contested election, largest fiscal stimulus ever, you know, recession. You know, everybody's talking about the Great Depression. Uh, actually, it, it, its initial drop was greater than the Great, the great Depression. So, um, you know. We had an exciting year. So if we look at 2021, we have a new economic expansion starting. That's important. Uh, by the way, I'm sorry. i got to stop. This is a live show, so I'm supposed to tell you that you can call in here, 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. So we have this new uh, economic expansion starting. We have Central banks, as dovish as I've ever seen them, and they're talking about that indefinitely. We have real interest rates that are basically negative for the first time in 70-some-odd years. The credit outlook remains positive. Uh, scared money gets less scared. Risk of inflation is higher, I think. Um, and, and I can't remember who said it, but that which does not kill us makes us stronger, right? So I think 2019 could be a good year. However, you know, some things like the bullish percent are way up there. So we have to be thinking about um, a couple things. But I do think some things that we have to think about is we have a profit cycle reversion. Okay? We're down and out. Uh, Bob uh, Pisani on CNBC was talking about how Honeywell's P.E. ratio was at 26. Remember what I said the week before? That the industrials all have high P.E. ratios at the start of their cycle. And when do you sell them? 
when the P.E. ratio becomes low. When they start trading at six, seven times earnings or 10 or 11 times earnings, that's when you got to pay attention, all right? The investment cycle has a reversion. We have a volatility reversion. Remember, volatility has been over 20 now for almost two years, all right? That's a long time in volatility life. The value growth reversion, you know, growth has been kicking values, you know what, for a long, long time now, okay? Bonds versus stocks. People are dying. They're dying for uh, yield. They're looking for it everywhere, okay? So, you know, I, I listen to several people. Oh, I listen to our strategist. I listen to uh, Cred Suisse's strategist. I listen to Tom Lee. And Tom thinks there's going to be a move to hard assets. And he thinks, it, uh, he thinks you know, February to April could be a shaky time in the markets. And it could be a speed bump, he calls it. But he said that you don't want to get too bearish, okay? Uh, he thinks it might be a violent rotation to these value stocks, meaning things might be better. He also thinks the VIX will collapse. If that occurs, if you see the VIX go down to 9 or 10, you better be fully invested. That's all I got to say. And he thinks there'll be, more, there'll be inflation, something we haven't talked about since 2007. Uh, the epicenter stocks, and you know, by the way, we're talking about that too. I'm going to um, review those a little bit here. Um, he thinks the stimulate, uh, stimulus could be an infrastructure product. All right. Now we were talking what you know, what else is going on there? You know, one of the things we identified is Japan. Japan is starting to rock and roll. All right. So we, you know, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. So it start some of this stuff is starting to happen already. Now what's interesting is in the international market they're talking about Japan. Uh, and people think that, you know, that we might, you know, look, we've had a 40-year bond bull market, all right? Could it could it give it up? But could there be a, a bond bubble? The answer is yes, but we don't know for sure, okay? We could just, the interest rates could just go sideways for a while, but who knows? I mean, I know our people are talking about 2% on the 10-year bond. That's a 100% increase in yield. So those are some things that we have to think about. Um, and I think, you know, the one thing, the Fed has said they're not going to worry about inflation for a while, which makes inflation risk the highest it's been in a long, long time. Now, I have a bunch of names that I like, okay? But I also think that you've got to remember that things, especially in industri- you know, industrial and consumer discretionary, and I'm talking about retail, I'm talking about, you know, stuff like the cruise lines, the airlines, the, uh, the restaurants. Right, their their yields. I mean, their PE ratios are high because they're not earning any money yet. So remember, you always buy these things when the PEs ratio high, and then sell them when they get low. Now, one of the other areas, and this is kind of interesting because um, I, I listened to four strategists, and two of them are talking about industrials and consumer discretionary. And, and Rob Schleimer, by the way, a head technician at Fundstrat uh, are talking about those two. And so isn't, you know, Bob Dickey's kind of heading that way. Uh, actually, he's heading towards consumer staples first. You know, I think he's got a, a move in between um, before we get to the consumer discretionary part. But two of the four strategists have oil as their number three choice. The other two have financials. Financials broke out last week. You know? Isn't that interesting? Some of the industrials, some of the basic material companies broke out big. 
I mean, there's a, I got a couple names here. One I talked about way back when the President Trump was becoming president. I said this was going to be a leader. And it turns out it's up 100% this year, 120%. So we saw this. We have a bullish stance towards energy stocks in 2021. And our, our global integrated energy, you know, uh, we expect the majors to deleverage in 2021. Look at the big write-off that Exxon took in natural gas last week. Big write-off. And the expiration production, uh, we think, are we're pretty more constructive on the, on the sector heading into 2021 because of the confluence of better capital discipline, they're not going to go crazy, and lower cost structures. So we also think there'll be higher price expectations, too. You know, and the Canadian integrated EPs from our vantage point will be framed by a number of themes, uh, unrestricted oil pipeline exports in Western Canada, that type of thing. And the global oil for field services, we expect an increased level of investor interest through the entire year. And global mineral royalties, uh, you know, in 2021, we likely be smoother than they have been in the past. Then we looked at banks and, you know, they're back. <laughs> banks are back. You know, they had a big run in 2016 and 2017, and then they went complacent for a while. Uh, now they're back. Now, the Fed Reserve rescinded their suspension of share repurchase. The, the folks at J.P. Morgan already announced a $5 billion buyback, and Morgan Stanley announced a $2 billion one Friday. All right? So buybacks could reach as high as 10% of their market cap. That's what we think. And we also think capital action plans limitations should be lifted in 2021. And that could get really interesting. And then uh, th there's a thing called a stressed capital buffer and, and capital act, uh, action plan amounts that were in the Dodd-Frank bill that may go away too. So, And then dividends, the payout ratios may pick up. So over the long run, we could expect banks to pay out to 30 to 40% of their earnings and 35 to 45% stock buybacks for a combined payout ratio of 75, 85%. That's how much money they have on board. So that's something to think about. Retail, okay? Uh, we think it's going to be stronger for longer. We continue to believe that a lot of strong consumer trends, uh, behaviors experienced in 2020 will persist through 2021. Um, even, you know, with a wide distribution of vaccine, it could be even bigger, okay? So, look, there's some comparison challenges, Loom, uh, but the, it, if you look, the comps could surprise to the upside, is that what, is what we're saying? And many retailers are structurally more pro uh, profitable and productive than they used to be due to what they've just experienced. Now, I've got a list of names, which I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> now, one other thing I want to talk about, and I'll do this briefly, um, you know, we had a healthcare private company conference uh, feature presentation between biopharma and healthcare companies, as well as some panel discussions, that type of thing, at the end of the year. And neurology was an active field with, with many uh, hypotheses, step forwards, and step setbacks. But the two most semi-annual neural breakthroughs in the past decade are improved understanding of the protein misfolding links to neodegeneration re recognition of the role that supportive cells like uh, actrocytes may play. This is the holy grail for Parkinson's disease and maybe for other stuff. So and the other thing is the neuro neurological biomarker development is still early, though is useful for demonstrating target uh, validation. It's, it's going to be good for, for the clinic, if you will. So I think there's some big things happening in healthcare. Remember, I think healthcare is the hero's. And healthcare is still cheap 
compared to uh, the rest of the market. You know, healthcare is always traded at 20% premium. I still think it's at like an 8 9% discount. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think there's going to be an explosion of telehealth, telehealth onto treatment scene following COVID. And I think there could be some potential for combining some novel uh, modulities, uh, such as RNA interference, and into some deeper brain structure stuff. Uh, it, it could be a big year for neurology. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll be for stuff like, uh, you know, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, those type of diseases. So uh, the future is bright. Keep a smile on your face. Let's take a break. This is the Smart Investor Show. Remember, if you've got a question, 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And uh, once again, if you want to get any of the lists I talk about, the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, the, the all-cap list, you know, which is uh, large-cap, mid-cap, and small-cap stocks. That's capitalization, folks. Or the small-cap uh, stuff uh, is great. Or if you want our Savvy Investors Credit Workbook or Women in Wealth or Business Owner's Guide to Transition Planning, we have that all. Just go to my webpage at WHK1420. Get down to Smart Investor Show right across to my webpage. There you go. So a couple things uh, I want to talk about. Number one, you still have next week to do Dogs of the Dow. Now, I know what they are, and I ain't telling you <laughs> unless you're one of my clients. Uh, but I just finished doing it, and, you know, uh, once again, it had a good, strong year, uh, even though one of the stocks lagged. Uh, but, you know, another good, strong year for Dogs of the Dow. Uh, I think next year might be the year of the dividend stock coming back. That's my humble opinion. But um, don't forget, the dogs of the Dow are what you do is you buy the top five yielding stocks or top ten. Top ten if you want to diversify out a little bit. By the way, several of those stocks are on our prime income list, just so you know. Um, And then you hold it for a year and usually outperform the market. And what I usually do is replace the ones that are on the list the next year with new money. If I think the other stock is going to continue to go up, uh, you know, leave it at that. The other thing uh, people have been asking me, Tim, what's going to happen next year? Well, I kind of help you describe it. I think, you know, we're going to have some changes. It's been too easy to make money. All right. But one thing I did notice is that the number of the high low index that our friends at Dorsey Wright provide us with, <clears throat> remember they provide us with the bullish percent too. Um, has been over 90 for 30 days. Now, that happened nine times, okay? And what's occurred is the next 30 days aren't so great. We're down about 1% we average. Then then we have a bit of a correction, but the year end, we average a 19.4% gain. So if the market sells off, you know, the bullish percent's at 72 at this point, um, you know, don't get bearish. You know, use your head, okay? Don't get bearish. Now, if, if Tom Lee's right and some of the other people I know, we're going to have a switch. You know, people have been buying these these uh, dividend growth portfolios. Uh, not dividend growth, I'm sorry. Growth stocks. And they don't know what they're doing. 
And that's not, a, believe me, in the stock market, that is not a good thing. You know, uh, all these, you know, uh, you know, the people that think that the market just goes up are dead wrong. And they're going to find out the hard way, I think. So uh, now I am looking at some things and I've been looking at like uh, one of the best performing stocks last year was when I talked about when President Trump came on board. Okay. And it was at seven dollars. And uh, it was Freeport McMoran. Now, I'm not recommending this stock. I am not even close to recommending it. I bought the stock between $5 and $10, uh, some at 11 12 And yet, here it is at 27 It hit a new high price. Hmm. And, you know, I looked at it uh, short-term, long-term. It still looks good. And nobody paid attention to Freeport McMoran. I haven't heard it on one of the shows. I haven't heard it on anything. And yet, here it is, one of the best-performing stocks of the year. Isn't that interesting? Okay, so um, now somebody asked me, will 2021 be another uh, 2020? This is from Jeff, uh, you know. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That's not Jeff. That's It's Mark. Uh, Mark asked me that. And, you know, I, I looked at things, and I, I think that, you know, we're getting ready to, to uh, turn over a little bit. I, I don't think it'll be, um, you know, a... a bloodbath or anything like that. Now, I, I said that last year about this time. You know, I started talking about, hey, I think we're going to have a 10% correction, and it turned out to be a little bit bigger than I expected. Um, but I, I don't know. Unless the virus strain, you know, we get all these virus strains and we can't control the thing, that'd be the one thing that would be, uh, I think, would be a bad. The other thing is if the election results, you know, I mean, there's some things happening in Georgia you should read about, I think, uh, about you know, they have two-way communications with some of the voting machines and things like that. Uh, that happens, or Mr. Biden's health is bad. Uh, you know, th that could be another problem. But, the, you know, if you look, uh, the phenomena of very negative breath to very positive breath is actually quite rare. And it's usually positive, all right? The, the very negative breath to positive breath happened in 2009. Uh, it happened in 2011. Uh, it, but, you know, usually it's a very positive thing. OK, so I, I don't know if we're going to be, uh, you know, seeing, uh, you know, a beautiful market all year long. I, I think markets usually have a 10 percent correction in them every year. Um, but, I, you know, I do think uh, things will change. OK, it's just been too easy. Now, I did get um, a new book. And I, I, there's a guy named Jack Schwager, and he wrote a book about uh, 20 years ago called Market Wizards. I recommended it on this show 20 years ago. And it was a great book. I mean, a great insight. And now he just came out with one called Unknown Market Wizards. And I, I recommend it to everybody. Uh, it's a great book. Um, it's, it's guys that we don't know about. But one of the guys talks about, uh, and he, he's done really well, and nobody talks about him, which is probably the way I would want it. Uh, he said, your trading theories, what you do every day, or your investment theories, just start to look like you. Like your dog should look like you, right? Okay, I have Labradors. They're all happy and everything like that. And uh, that's that's thing. You know, that, that should be your trading uh, scenario. So uh, I thought that was an interesting comment. I, I'm trying to figure out what that means to me and to my clients. But look. One of the things that you got to remember is if you look at the S&P 500 
index. And uh, Bob Dickey has a great chart on this, by the way, uh, what he calls his market maps. And if you look, when we're in a bear market, the average return, you know, I'm, I mean, uh, in, the tw- in the 30s was a negative 3.2%. Now, I'm adding dividends here. Back in the 70s, it was plus 2.82%, mostly because of the oils. And then the average return from 2000 to 2014 uh, was 1.5%, okay, with the dividend. So all these guys are telling you to do the index funds, you would have had a long 14 years, (laughs) all right? But look, the biggest advances of the year usually happen between the end of December and January 18th, okay? Uh, And then March 28th to, to April 28th. Uh, or April 18th, I'm sorry, in June to July, and then September to October 18th. All right. So the the most aggressive sectors usually uh, do the best there. Okay. So there's some technical rules that you should be taking a look at. But uh, anyway, what we try to do is match the technicals with uh, uh, the fundamentals on this show. So uh, that's what we're trying to do anyway. Okay. So um, the financials started off the year with a great I think they're going to start off with a great move. And uh, I've been talking about these for some time now. I own a lot of them. I bought bought some more just last month, and I'll probably buy some more uh, coming up here. But uh, uh, that's a group that I think you want to pay attention to, especially if interest rates pick up, because that means their spread is bigger. And since their spread is absolutely nothing right now, it can get better. And they also are, you know, the feds allow them to buy back stock. Next will be dividends, and believe me, they've got a lot of capital to give back to the world, okay? So uh, just something to think about, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Hold on one second here. All right, Uh, so what have I seen, all right? Uh, Well, look, I've seen some yellow flags. Okay, first of all, I saw a lot more tax loss selling than I expected, a lot more. I also saw a lot of capital gains taken at the end of the year because people are frightened about the politics. Can't blame them. So, look, that probably tells me that there might be some more upside likely before we peak for the short term. Okay, And I think it's just a short-term peak. Uh, So I think we have some further upside going on in January, followed by a pullback, um, you know, maybe in February, maybe in April or March, whatever. I, one thing I am seeing, though, is growth stocks continue to firm. And they're really accelerating follow some of their, their their third quarter and fourth quarter pause. So, you know, I, I, I looked at the daily S&P 500. And uh, by, by the way, Rob Schleimer did a great job of this. Uh, we, did, we had a conference call with Funstead last week. It was a fantastic job. Uh, you know, but he, he's already talking about the weekly quadrant balance balance indicator turning over, and but it's still got some room to go. And, uh, you know, he talks about, uh, you know, you started the week volatile, but then you had a pullback, you know, et cetera, moving back and forth. But he still talks about the weekly quadrant balance indicator going to an overbought scenario before it, it goes over and dies. Now, one of the things he does like is that the small caps have not yet shown any sign of reversing. As a matter of fact, if you look at their relative strength compared to the S&P 500, it broke out, which is very important. Now, growth versus value on a weekly basis still has growth way, way overbought, okay? Uh, and the 40-week moving average is just below each one of them, uh, whether it's small capitalization, large capitalization, or, or, or mid-capitalization. 
But if you look on a daily, uh, they've been losing some relative strength, the growth stocks versus the uh, value stocks. Now, uh, it'll be interesting because Apple broke out to a new high uh, you know, last week and uh, several others. So it'll be very interesting. And the, and the high beta versus low volatility, the high beta is given back a little bit. So that's something you got to pay attention to. And yields, uh, he thinks yields could pop. Okay. And uh, by the way, so does Bob Dickey. So it'll be interesting to see if that continues. Topper seems to be the hero of the year. And uh, we are starting to see some, like I said, some very interesting stuff going on in the, in the big caps, uh, fang stocks. In the meantime, let's take a break. We'll be right back with a bullish percent. This is Smart Investor Show. If you want to call in, it's 216-901-0945, Stay tuned. Hi, it's uh, Tim Hayes again. This is the Smart Investor Show. And, uh, you know, we have to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on here. We're going to talk about the bullish percent in a second. But, you know, on December 18th, the Fed Reserve announced that banks can start their buyback uh, programs uh, at the beginning of uh, 2021. So the Fed requires, uh, back in June, the Fed required banks to halt buybacks and cap their dividend-based programs. On recent income, and a few large banks wasted no time starting up their buyback programs. J.P. Morgan's uh, board approved a new uh, a buyback program of $30 billion. I said five earlier, so I apologize. And Goldman Sachs announced uh, they would start a, a repurchase next week or next year. So did Morgan Stanley. Uh, the XLF blew out on the upside on that. All right. So uh, that might be, you know, like I said, uh, that's one of the top three sectors. Uh and they've got a lot of capital that they can give back to the shareholder, not only in share buybacks, but in dividend increases. I mean, a lot of people think that J.P. Morgan wants to keep their dividend at 5%. Morgan Stanley wants to keep theirs at four and a quarter. So they got a ways to go yet. All right. So uh, keep that in mind. Um, I, I looked at things and uh, this week, and, and, and one of the things we talk about all the time here is the bullish percent. that. Look, all it is is a risk guide. Just te- you know, when when things get over, get crazy. That's when you should be pulling back. Okay, you know, don't be the average citizen and be getting crazy with stuff that uh, is up a lot. All right, you want to buy things on pullback. Use your head. That's what professionals do. Buy things that are technically sound and fundamentally sound that are discounts to the market. All right, don't be chasing stuff right now. And right now, the bullish percent, which is our main gauge to risk, is at 72.2%. It was down 1% last week. Now, remember, the bullish percent was a, uh, designed by a protege of Charles Dow back in the 20s. And what he wanted to do is be bullish at the top, I mean, bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. So he set up this chart, and it's a point and figure chart, so X's and O's. When you're column of X's, which we're still in a column of X's at this point, you have the offensive team on the field. I don't think you want to throw the wrong bomb right here. I think what you want to do is hand off to the halfback or the fullback. All right? Gain your yards slowly but surely. Buy things that are down. All right? Uh, you, you don't want to, you know, do crazy stuff. All right? So just remember that. When you get over 70, that's the red zone. That's where, every, that's where we are now. Okay? 
everybody's talking about the market. They're talking about going to a thousand, you know, everybody's positive. Uh, I get invited to parties. <laughs> All right. When we get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when nobody opens their 401k statement. They, you know, I can't see a party. My my wife thinks that the world hates us. You know, she gets glares when we, we go to the shopping center together. You know, that type of thing. So the point is, is that when everybody's crying in their beer, you want to be aggressive. When everybody's talking about their portfolio, you want to back off. That is where we are right now. Okay. So be smart about it. Now, the over-the-counter index uh, is still in column of X is at 64, but it's at 64. So small caps aren't as overbought as the large caps. You know, that's the way it is. And then the world index turned into a column of O's this week. So not everybody's participating here, okay? And you just got to remember that. And uh, uh, one of the major bullish indicators, you know, the, the, the world indicator, in a column of O's is not a good thing for everything. You want everything moving up. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people are talking about this group because of the dollar, which may mean, you know, we may see some hidden dollar strength. I don't know. But look, one of the things that happened this week, and I thought was kind of interesting, and that's why I brought up Freeport MacMoran, because they deal with copper, okay? Now, I'm, I'm not saying buy Freeport MacMoran. It's up a lot. you got to be crazy to buy it up 200 300% a year. But commodities which were dead last with currencies are now the third are number three in the rankings of dynamic asset level investments from our friends at Dorsey Wright, who also provide us with a bullish percent, by the way. So domestic equities are number one, international equities are number two, commodities number three, fixed income number four, cash number five, and currencies number six. That's the first time that's happened. Oh boy. Uh, I think it was 2009 <laughs> uh, that the, the commodities have been in the top three. So that um, may be 2014 because oil. But look, if we look, uh, a lot of these uh, indexes have been were, who have been positive, the Dow Jones and all those, they've been positive for four or five weeks, have now been negative for a couple of weeks. The one, the QQQs, has been positive for six weeks, and the XLGs, people just keep stuffing money into these things. I think they'll be sorry. Uh, in my my humble opinion, uh, I think that group uh, they take if, if money starts coming out of there, uh, boy, I don't think you want to be uh, <laughs> uh, having those in your portfolio. Just you know, just me personally. So, you know, I looked at the uh, the market performance for the year, and the XLG was the best, and the QQQ is number two. Uh, you know, most of the other stuff was uh, uh, stuff that you know. Uh, was okay. You know, the Dow Jones was okay. The SP 500 was okay. You know, had a good year considering the beginning. Now, one of the things I noticed last week is the EFA, which is the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index uh, ETF, broke out big. And uh, remember, I've been talking about the EEM. The EEM has been doing nicely, but the EFA is the larger international stock. We haven't really talked about those to any degree uh, over the course of the last year. Uh, but that's a good sign. And it's the first breakout, by the way, uh, for the, the group in a pretty long time. And that's not the only ETF. I, I, there's three others that I like better than that, but that's just a good example. So, um, you know, the, the, the point is we're, we're at 72, but the world index is a column of O. So the fact <coughs> that these are showing strength in uh, 
a market that is in the column of O's is very positive. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, but I do have kind of a nose cold and a little bit of a, a cold here, so uh, bear with me. Now, I looked at favorite sectors, and we have we have 26 favorite sectors at this point, and you know that's uh, quite a bit. Uh, and you know it, it's uh, 27 favorite sectors. I'm sorry. And the the problem is is if if you look at the sine curve, you know you when you want to buy, you want everything on the left hand side of the sine curve, so it's oversold. Now we're to the right-hand side, okay? Uh, chemicals, uh, we're going to talk about the ones that are uh, at the highest level. At 80 to 90 are chemicals, restaurants, banks, steel, machinery, and savings and loans. By the way, we're just talking about favored sectors now. The stock, there's, there's only like 12 ones that are not favored. But, you know, you want to wait on all those, okay? So these are the most overbought. Uh, the media, electronics, financials, Wall Street, and insurance are at 74 to 80. At 70 uh, to 74 are retail, leisure, housing, uh, non-ferrous metals, textiles, building, automobiles, gaming, and business products. At the 64 to, 60, uh, to 70, I'm sorry, are aerospace and computers. And it's interesting that aerospace and the defense stocks are rallying with Joe Biden, if Joe Biden's going to become president. <laughs> and then at uh, 60 is waste management. Uh, at the, in the 50, 50 to 54 area are oil service, biotechnology, and oil. And then at 44 is drugs. Uh, so that, that's kind of an interesting lineup. But like I said, it is very, very overbought. So those are the favorite sectors. I hope you wrote them down. But I'd wait on most of them. <laughs> You know, uh, I got auto parts and, and uh, uh, building and, and gaming and uh, restaurants and uh, textiles all in bull confirmed status. But I think you got to wait on, them. you know, just got to. It's as simple. Um, now, I did notice a couple things. Uh, Non-ferrous metals went into the most favored uh, sector. Business products went into uh, favored sector. And then software, which have been under unfavored, been getting beat up for a while, uh, moved back to average, which is kind of interesting. I talked about the Japanese market, and the Japanese equity market has been back in the news over the past week. And the country's oldest and most prominent cap-weighted benchmark, which is the Nikkei, uh, hit the highest level since 1989. How's that, huh? Uh, that's a pretty big move. And uh, so, it, you know, the cash weighting uh, in the country uh, has is down quite low. So it, it, that's a very positive development in, in Japan. So that's an area where I think, you know, uh, you remember, Japan's been in a bear market for, what, 30 years? Uh, so it, it'll be interesting. If you break out from 1989, that's a considerable period of time. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's uh, 41 years, uh, something like that. So uh, people keep asking me about fixed income. And I'll just say that I, I saw many of the intermediate term bond funds, uh, you know, the 10 year treasury break down. I'm talking about the bond, which means the yield went up, okay? And there's a lot of people talking about a 2% 10-year treasury this year, which would be 100% gain on the yield. That's not when you want to be in, in bonds. And, and look, there's a lot of people out there who are financial planners, uh, you know, we're talking about 60-40 portfolios. I mean, 60% equities, 30% bonds, 10% cash. And, and now I think you want to be more like 80% stocks, maybe 10% bonds, maybe 10% cash, but those 10% bonds, you got to understand, we have been in a 40-year bull market for bonds. 
So if interest rates start to go up and they can't, they're not going to go down much further. I mean, they, they, we went to 0.31% or 0.361% this year. That's as low as they've ever been in the history of the United States of America. And that matter of fact, interest rates may be at the lowest in history. Okay. So, uh, I think you want to be careful with the bond market. Uh, you know, you definitely have a ladder portfolio so that you have money come and do every year so you don't get that. I looked at commodities and, and a couple of things about commodities. I noticed oil's been positive for seven straight weeks now. And gold, which had been negative for a period of time, is positive. Now, the relative strength is still not the column of X's for either one of those. That, that could be very positive. Uh, now, copper, which does have positive relative strength, just went negative for the first time. Remember, it, it went from 295 to 361 uh, in about two months. So, um, you know, copper has been the place to be. Uh, but commodities, you know, uh, for if we go back to 2000, I think it was 11, uh, we keep getting to the, the three level in the Dorsey Wright scale, and it keeps pulling back, pulling back, pulling back. So be careful there, okay? We always talk about relative strength on the show, and it's a is a measure of how a stock is performing when compared to something else. In this case, it's the S and P 500 Equal Weight Index, and the, the, these are the stocks you want to be writing down. Uh, Capital One Financial, a, a uh, financial, <laughs> uh, Hancock Whitney, a bank, uh, Babcock Brown and Limited, uh, Energy Recovery, Groupon, Matrix Services, Myers, PDC Energy, iPoint Pharmaceuticals, Unisys, Simply Good Foods. Uh, 500.com, Addis USA, and Unisys, uh, which is, uh, we had a couple cells, um, Cyroport, Renren, the X1 company, and uh, Alibaba. All right. So, all right. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with uh, insiders. And uh, also, we'll see what Bob Dickey said this week. Stay tuned to the Smart Investor Show. Okay, a little uh, Rolling Stones just started there. Uh, and this is the Smart Investor Show on Tim Hayes. This is where we talk about insiders. Okay, so we, what we've done is we started out for what we think's happened in 2021, and we're moving it down to ideas that, you know, uh, have relative strength buys, where insiders are buying. Okay, now I'm not telling you what to buy. That's up to you. I'm just saying these are people that are, we're having some serious buying. Uh, one is uh, Richard Hendricks, uh, and he's into live oak acquisition uh this is a SPAC and and SPACs are hot again and uh every time i talk to people about SPACs i i, I wince a little bit because two other times they were very hot and blew up bad so just be careful with it uh richard hendrick's a pretty smart guy he bought about 40 49 million dollars worth that's a lot also uh hall of fame resort and entertainment company is a little dollar 20 cent stock and Stuart lichter bought 15 million dollars worth now, it's not chump change, folks. Also, uh, uh, I, uh, IQVIA uh, Holdings, which is in re- uh, research diagnostics, uh, we had John Dantal. Uh, he was a director, buy $11 million worth. And here's one that's interesting because I, I had three stocks that uh, I had a lot of insider buying. And that's uh, uh, and, and they, they just got bought at the end of the year. And financial national security, we had uh, 
a guy named uh, John Road uh, by 1.1 million, but there were several other people that bought. Uh, and then the other thing we, we saw was, uh, and this guy's executive chairman, so Warren Lipstein uh, bought Steel Partners, which uh, is a little $10 stock, but he bought a million dollars. But there was uh, Howard Jack, who's president, bought two or three times for the two and a half a million. Uh, we had quite a few in there. And then uh, Boxer Capital bought uh, uh, Odinet Therapeutics. And uh, this was a, uh, a, a Jerry Tang uh, stock, and he, he bought some too. Uh, but we also had Boxer Capital. They bought one for five million. Then they bought another for one point seven million. And we had Aaron Davis buy uh, one point seven million, and then buy another one point two million. Uh, that's very interesting because Jerry Tang just bought four or five million two weeks ago, as you may recall. Uh, so that's that's a pretty big uh, buy. So Boxer Capital is pretty smart money. Uh, our carrying capital bought. Uh, a company called Tracon Pharmaceuticals, a $11 stock. They bought $5 million worth. They are a 10% owner, I think, at this point. I think they own 2.7 million shares. Uh, also, uh, Altimeter Growth Corp., uh, which is a little $13 stock. Uh, Richard Barton bought uh, $2.5 million worth. And our friend Philip Frost uh, has bought more Opco. I think he now owns 31% or 33% of the company. Uh, he bought 300,000 shares, so two to 1.1 million. So he continues to buy. You like to see that. And then um, the Icon Enterprises, uh, we, we had the uh, director buy a million dollars worth last week. And we had several people buy uh, this is an interesting one, Air T, which is uh, integrated freight and logistics. And we had one guy buy 700,000, another guy buy 400,000, 430. Uh, another, uh, the CEO bought 362. We had the director buy 312. Then we had the co-CEO. Uh, no, I'm sorry, the CEO buy another 300,000. So you like to see that. And then we had several. Um, Larry uh, Hillsheimer uh, bought uh, grief uh, and company, which is packaging. Remember, liner board is up big, and uh, you know Amazon's been using a lot of liner boards. So if that continues into the new year, things could get very interesting for uh, packaging companies. But he bought one, two, three, four, four times. Uh, all about two hundred thousand, which turns out to be two forty. Turns out to be almost a million bucks. So a couple other things I saw. Uh, Norton LifeLock. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Feld bought eight point three four one million. I had just sold the stock because uh, I bought it when some another insider had bought it. They gave us a 65% dividend, and the stock uh, really hasn't done too well. And then we had the CEO buy $52,000 or 52,000 shares, which t turns out to be, uh, you know, about $1.2 million. So that's a that's a good sign, obviously, for Norton LifeLock. Um, also, uh, La Jolla Pharmaceuticals. We had six buyers, uh, and the week before Christmas – of the tune of about 460,000 shares. La Jolla is also a Jerry Tang stock. <laughs> so uh, quite a few buyers there. And then uh, one that's interesting, now it, it's up since these people bought, because it's been a week or two since I, I talked to you all. Um, but Intrepid Potash, we had six buyers of about 7,000 shares, and the stock's up about 30 40%. So that's an area where you want to pay pretty close attention, I think, uh, in my humble opinion. So uh, you know, normally these guys are um, usually early, okay? So it's something that you want to be paying fairly close attention to. All right, so 
Um, look, everybody says, Tim, you know, are you worried about the market? It, uh, because I kept talking about, hey, you know, we might be, you know, we might see a peak somewhere in, in, in January or February. Uh, that's a ways away. It's a month away. Uh, so we don't have to you know, jump off a cliff or anything. I, I didn't suggest that. The bullish percent is 72. There's times when the bullish percent has stayed above 70 for six months. All right. Usually the average time is about 45 to 60 days uh, that stays above there. Now we did cross, you know, if you looked at the Dow and you had the short term support line, we did break it the other day and then rally back up. You know, the market continues to be kind of a volatile place despite the expected lower trading on the holiday week. Okay. So it, it they, you, you don't see tops, you know, tops don't, happen all of a sudden it takes some time usually it's a lower high that occurs okay bottoms take a t- period of time too and you know if if you're thinking that things are just going to uh you know stop and and go down that's not the way it works okay it usually there's a period of time you know, last year i started talking about the market you know being overbought mid-january it took till the last week of February before things really got interesting. Okay. So not going to happen right away. And I just think, uh, you know, the, the market's probably prone to a, a deeper pullback somewhere along the line. I don't know how big a deeper pullback it is. Okay. It's something to pay attention to, but, um, you know, I think if you look at the Dow, you know, you're probably, uh, seeing, uh, a, a scenario where it's not really going up a lot, it's not really going down. Most of the money has been made in individual stocks. So it's a stock picker's market, something we haven't seen in a while. But look, if we go back to the, the bottom of the trend on a long-term chart, and I'm talking about going all the way back to 2009, we're still in that uptrend. We're just near the top of the uptrend. Now, you know, that's what happened last year when, when I suggested there would be a 10, 15% correction, which was it would have been if it would have stopped at the trend line. We did break down on that and then rallied right above it very quickly, which is usually a good sign for the market. Um, so I think what you're going to see is a scenario where, you know, we, we have a pullback. Now, uh, <laughs> I... I have said for some time, you know, I said this last year, you know, I, I thought we were having a 10, 12% correction. I was a little off. Okay. But this is a tough game. You know, you don't know about viruses and stuff like that. And we had the, you know, we had the, the one, two, three punch uh, last year. We had Bernie Sanders, uh, a registered socialist, become the head of the Democratic Party for a while. We had the oil scenario and then we had the virus. Uh, so <laughs> usually when you get a, uh, you know, I get a jab in, then a cross, and then a hook. The guy's down. Okay. Now, one of the things I am seeing is this value versus growth ratio. It started to turn up last year. All right, um, in October, of, uh, I should t- 2019, and that's when I brought it up. All right, and but I'm seeing it again. So it'll be interesting to see if that continues for some time. In the meantime, look, I think there's a lot of good stuff out there that you can start to pay attention to. Remember. Uh, Mr. Schwager's book, uh, The Unknown Market Wizards, I highly recommend it for the new year. I just ordered it, so uh, I started to read it, and it was somebody else's, and he took it back from me. <laughs> so I get it. Uh, but also, for your business owners, there's a guide to transition planning. I got, uh, I've had, we've helped a couple people now. Uh, the Credit Investors uh, Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, 
and women and wealth. Uh, women control a lot of the wealth, and I, I love to see that they're, they, you know, this is a great piece. It's small. It, it just gives you the basic material that you need to start thinking on your own. Uh, and, uh, you know, love to see people uh, do better uh, all over the world. And uh, don't forget our top ideas because we have the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list. Uh, dividend stocks have been kind of out of favor for a while, a couple of years now. And uh, usually they come back quick. Also, ADRs with the, the you know, the EFA, the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, which is the big cap international stocks going up. That's a list you want to pay attention to because uh, there could be some really good ideas there. Our top ideas, small cap. Our top ideas in the telecommunications, Internet, media, and uh, TITM, TIMT. A lot of good names there. I got a name that uh, that I really like that's down. Sold off a little more than I expected to on Friday, Thursday and Friday, but there we go. Those are some great places to look, in my humble opinion, uh, for good ideas. Don't forget, if you go to WHK 1420 AM, go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, it'll take you directly to my webpage. On my webpage, there's a lot of good ideas. Uh, every day, Bob Dickey, with his technical uh, information out there. Bob is our head technical strategist. He, he's won more awards than I can you know, count on both hands. He knows what he's doing. And sometimes, you know, one of the things, I'm a visual person. I don't know about a few people out there, but if I see something, it makes more sense to me than if I just hear about it on the news, okay? So it's a great piece. Then the insight, insights on the other is one of the uh, top uh, things and it talks about the Fed shift to inflation, women and in investing. A couple uh, they they interview a couple analysts, which I think are great pieces. Highly recommend it. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Happy New Year, everybody. This is Smart Investor Show. My name is Tim Hayes. Don't forget to buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.